So today, we're bringing to a close this sermon series, Faith Foundations. We've been in it for a month and a half or so. I'm going to begin today how we first began this sermon series a month and a half ago, the Tower of Pisa. It has sunk into the ground. It is leaning to such a degree as all because the foundation is not solid. The foundation of a building affects so much. It is critical to the rest of the building. So that if if you're looking at buying a house and your inspector tells you that the house has some foundation problems, you are going to think twice about buying that house. That's true not just with uh, physical buildings. It's also true with what we put our faith on, what we have as the foundation of our faith. Because whatever we, we have as the foundation of our faith, it obviously affects our faith, our spiritual life, but also, even more importantly, it can affect our eternal life. So that's been the whole idea of this Faith Foundation series. We've looked at who God is. That He is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That His ways are are way higher than ours. For, For two weeks, we looked at how to better understand and interpret God's Word. We, we looked at what is wrong with this world, that the sin that has infected this world, and how God revealed Himself in Jesus to, to remove that sin. And, and last week, Pastor Cook led us in, in better understanding the, the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And today we wrap this all up with looking at Christian living. We're going to look at this little little discussion, this little dialogue Jesus had on one of the days of the last week before he died. Let's go back and, and look at, at what Matthew tells us. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So as we look at this little section, As we look at at Christian living, we see here Jesus was posed with a rather tricky question. Now, I'm going to explain why it was a tricky question here in just a minute. But before we get to that, I probably need to explain these two groups of people so you understand what's going on. There are the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were... Opposites, they oppose each other. They were different religious sects, different philosophies, different ways of looking at things. Uh, The the Pharisee group, they were the the traditionalists. They were the the legalists. They um, were so concerned about not breaking any of God's laws, they added a whole bunch of other laws on top of it so that uh, they'd be sure not to break God's laws. They were, um, I guess you could say, that they, they majored in the minors, in all the little details. And because of their, their way of looking at things, I guess you could say that they, they denied what the Bible meant. And then you had this other group, the, the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the rationalists. 
they were the ones who looked at the Bible and denied the miracles. They denied the resurrection from the dead. They, they only uh, said they followed the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, and, and ignored the rest. And because of their rational ideas, um, they, they, I guess you could say, they denied what the Bible even said. And so you have these two opposite groups, and they hated each other. Very similar to today, how the, the diehard Republicans and the diehard Democrats cannot get along. That's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the Pharisees were the ones who came with this tricky question, but this was actually round three. The first round, earlier that day, the Pharisees had asked Jesus a tricky question about paying taxes. And with Jesus' answer, he just dismissed them. And so the Sadducees came with their own tricky question. And remember, they were the rationalists. They denied the resurrection. So they said, well, if there is a resurrection, why is there marriage? And Jesus' answer, dismissed them. Actually, he silenced them. Literally, the original Greek says he muzzled them. And so, even though the Pharisees had lost the first round, they saw their enemies, the Sadducees, muzzled. And so they got their smartest person and came for a third round and came with the, the hardest question they could think of. What is the greatest commandment? I, I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily a question we would call the trickiest or hardest question. I, I think we could think of a lot of or harder questions to ask Jesus. But you have to understand, back then, this was the question. They would spend hours and hours debating what is the greatest commandment of God. They went throughout the Bible, they numbered every single command, and they came up with, let me get this right, 613 commands in the Bible. Uh, 248 of them were positive commands, things they're supposed to do, and 365 were negative ones, things they weren't supposed to do. And, and they wanted to know which one was the most important, so they knew which one to, to focus on. They even had this whole scheme of, of ways to devise this, questions to guide them, and it all came from, well, what's the punishment if you break it? Because if the punishment is more severe, that must mean it's, it's a more important question. And just the question itself, which is the greatest, showed that they were missing it. You know, they, they were putting one thing God said against another thing, which is never a good thing to do. They're putting their own thinking above what God said, which is never a good thing to do. This, this tricky question, it, it showed that they were missing so much. Uh, it's like a, when a parent tells a, a child to do something, but then the child says, well, what's the punishment if I don't do it? You're missing the point. The parent wants you to do it. This tricky question showed they were missing it. And yet, Jesus answered them. And he gave them a rather easy answer. Love God. This is how he put it. Love the Lord your God 
with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Pretty easy answer. Easy to say. Not necessarily easy to do. Why do I say that? What did Jesus say? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In other words, with everything that you are. With every thought, with your attitudes, with your thought processes, with how you talk and what you talk about, with how you spend your time and what you spend your time on. Let me put it this way. If we actually did this, if we actually love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, if we actually did this, then why aren't you in worship more? If we actually did this, if we actually loved God with, with all we have, then why do you pay more for your cell phone bringing your offerings to God. If we actually did this, if we actually loved God with all that we are, then why don't we use our talents and gifts more that He's given us? If we actually did this, if we actually love God more than everything else, why does everything else fill our lives so much? If we actually love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, everything, if we actually did this, our lives would look so different. But even though this is a command, there's great comfort here. Because the only way you can love God is if you first know God. You can't love someone without first knowing them. And this goes all the way back to, to the first sermon in this sermon series, right? Who is God? His ways are way higher than ours. His thinking way higher than ours. And yet, He has told us things He wants us to know. He's shown Himself to us so that we may know Him. And, and the Bible puts it this way. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It is a love that, that knows us, that knows our failures and weaknesses, a love that, that knows our thoughts and our sins. It is a love that, that moved Him to action. A love that, that moved Him to come here. A love that moved Him to, to die for us. A, a love that moved Him to come here so that we would go there. I, I heard someone once put it this way. The Bible is the only story where the hero dies for the villain. God is love. 
And so the Bible also says, we love then because He first loved us. He first loved us and we respond. And one of the ways we can respond in loving Him is loving others that He has made. And and that's why Jesus gave another rather easy answer to this tricky question. Love your neighbor. Jesus put it this way. The second's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Love your neighbor. Sounds easy. Easy to say. Not so easy to do. Because if we actually did this, if we actually loved other people as we love ourselves, then there would be no such thing as abuse. There would be no such thing as abortion. There would be no rape. There would be no racism. There would be no shoplifting. No robbery. No homelessness. No road rage. No lying. No bullying. There would be no pornography. There would be no teasing. There would be no looking down at others. There'd be no children dictating when the family goes to church. This is easy to say, but not easy to do. But now remember, we love because He first loved us. And we can love others because God first loved them. So so what, what does this look like then? Well, one way it can look like is, is simply who you talk to. You know, wherever you are, if, if you're in the store or on social media or at school, wherever you are, we, we just have a tendency to talk to people that are like us. People that we know or people that we recognize something in them that reminds us of ourselves. But one of the greatest ways of showing love is talking to someone that isn't like you. And think of Jesus. What was He known for? Talking to everyone. One great way to show love to one another is to talk. And not just talk about, don't talk about yourself, but, but to listen. And that's maybe one of the greatest uh, takeaways I've had this last year. Um, you know, both faculty at Illinois Lutheran and the staff and leadership here at Trinity have gone through some cultural competency training. And, and one of the big takeaways for me has been just simply to listen. That can be a great way to, to show love. Another way is simply to include God in your decisions. There are going to be a number of us who are going off to college for the very first time in just a few weeks. If that's you, you're going to be faced with a lot of decisions and choices. Include God in those choices. 
in what party you go to or don't go to, who you call a friend, how you deal with the roommate, when you go to church. And if you're a student going to, back to school, no matter what age you are, in just a few weeks, you're going to have other choices too. And be sure to include God in your choices, in, in how you treat a new student, in how you do your homework, in, in how you behave in sports or for music. It, include God in all your decisions. And show love for one another. Now, that doesn't mean you necessarily will like everyone. You won't like the person that cuts you off on the tri-state, but you can still love them. And simply say, God bless them. If you've been in an abusive relationship, you will not like that person. But loving them also means that you don't stay in it and, and allow them to continue abusing you and keep on sinning. You see, loving others can take a, a lot of different shapes and, and forms. But how amazing it would be if we all loved one another as we love ourselves. I mean, if we actually did that, we wouldn't have enough seats here for everyone that would come. We'd break the internet for all the people that want to watch online. So, maybe as a memory aid to help us, think of joy. And maybe you've heard this before. J is Jesus, O is others, and then Y is yourself. Put Jesus first. Love God first. And then because He's first loved you, love others. But also don't forget yourself. You know, in order for us to love others, we need our own love tank filled first. Especially if, if you're dealing with, with taking care of a, an ailing parent or dealing with a, a, a troublesome child or if you're going through some stressful thing, you, you, you need to be filled with God's love first before you can show that and share that to others. So I, I want to conclude this sermon series going back to how we began this. Tower Pisa. If for our foundation we build everything off of loving God and loving others, if that is our most basic foundation, um, we're going to be worse than the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Because below loving God and loving others is God first loving us. I love this quote I found. Religion is all about goodness being rewarded. Christianity is all about our badness being forgiven. That is the foundation, the bottom part of our faith. God first loving us, forgiving us. And because He first loved us, then we love. Then Christ's answer to you know, what's this tricky question here, His answer of loving God and loving others, that flows out of first what God has done for us.
And so my friends, may the foundation of your faith be always what God in His amazing love has done for you. Amen. Please stand. And let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you loved us before the creation of the world. We thank you that you sent your Son Jesus and, and he in his love gave his life for us on the cross. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your love that, that you have given us faith in response to your love to us, may we not just love you in return, but love one another and show that, not just here, but wherever we are in whatever we do. We ask this in your name. Amen.